Welcome to the Leadership Exposé podcast. This podcast is for purpose-driven leaders at diverse levels and organizations around the world who are seeking to scale and transform their leadership to level up their business and to create an impact in the lives of people all around them. Business and boardroom topics, trends, innovation, transformation, and the intersection with leadership is the focus. We enable success. I'm your host, Stephen Paul. In this edition, we welcome Shiv Paul, CEO of Caprihan Consulting, based in the UK. Shiv has previously partnered with top-tier consulting firms and businesses. He brings mastery in the areas of inclusion, transformation, strategy, and wellness consulting. Shiv is a speaker and also holds various board roles. We'll hear about Shiv, his journey, and learn insights on the diverse components of inclusion, change, and transformation, amongst other things, and how businesses can adopt and embed this seamlessly. Shiv, welcome. How are you doing today? Thank you very much. It's a great pleasure to be here. Uh, I'm doing well. Uh, yeah, I'm doing well. Things are busy, but that's always a good thing, right? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, thank you for having me. I'm very excited to be here. Wonderful, Shiv. You know, for the uh, you and I have uh, met before, um, but for the purposes of our audience, tell us where are you based? So I am now based back in my hometown of Epsom in Surrey, which is just outside London, probably about 20 miles. Um, this is where I, I wasn't born here, but I grew up here. But I had been living in Manhattan for about 15 years from 2005 up until 2020. And um, I came back for a visit in 2020. And then, of course, as everyone knows, the entire world changed very drastically uh, and I just decided it was it was the right time for me to to move back so wonderful. yeah I'm currently based there wonderful wonderful we're both UK based yeah. <laughs> and we have the same last names People and we have the same brothers. last name I was going to bring that up <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, well wonderful Shiv I'm keen to hear about you you know your your leadership journey, both from a personal perspective and from a professional perspective and that mm -hmm. intersection, where did it all begin? Tell us briefly and then we'll take it from there. Yeah, so uh, so very briefly, my, my corporate career was in consulting, in management consulting for about 20 years. But my path there was quite sort of meandering. I think for a, a lot of my life, I like wasn't um, necessarily either entirely sure what I wanted to do or didn't necessarily have the confidence to commit to doing it. And so I tended to um, either do things that I was good at um, or things that were sort of natural to my environment. And what I mean by that is, you know, I went to university and I did a, I did a master's in French, actually. And the reason I did that was because I was good at languages and I didn't really know what to do. Um, and the reason I went to university was because in, in the environment I grew up in, everybody went. So it was not really with a ton of thoughts about that um, and sort of dabbled in a few different kinds of areas um, and in a few different countries. But then in 2000, um, a friend of mine was working at a consulting firm and she just suggested that I apply and I did. And my consulting career was always in the realms of digital transformation and change management. And so I think even in consulting for a long time, I was sort of questioning what, what was I even really doing there? 
but found that um, if I was able to really focus on working with people to think about changes that they needed to make, and really we're talking about behavioral changes or changes in minds and, and hearts, right? Um, from the point of view of process, culture, structure, to support different kinds of implementations, that gave me a certain level of satisfaction. Um, I call myself a facilitator of change. And so all of the uh, jobs that I've had, um, the career that I've had, all of the extracurricular work I've done as a volunteer, all of the different sort of mechanisms that I've dabbled in have all had that theme. It's all about wanting to help people make change, to feel more included, to be able to show up more authentically. Uh, and it took me a while to recognize that that was the pattern. But even in the areas where um, I wasn't necessarily so satisfied with, with what I was doing, I tried to adopt that perspective of how can I bring my values or my passion for helping facilitate change into those proceedings. Yeah, amazing, amazing. So Shiv, that's such an you know amazing journey and you know the areas of focus you know you talked about change transformation what, what what is it that you're focusing on now because I mean these these are pretty pretty broad topics here and there's the wellness aspect as well and behavioral change as well what what's your main focus at this uh, at this juncture yeah that's a great question so in um sort of 2021 I think I left consulting and set up on my own and now um through the work that I do as a strategist, a coach, a workshop facilitator, I help organizations and their workforces and individuals to um, develop leadership capabilities, to prepare for success, and to develop sustainable strategies that make sense to them to achieve their very clearly articulated goals. So I'll work with organizations and, and individuals to think about those things. What are the goals that you you really want to achieve how can you um, sustain a level of motivation through a strategy that makes sense to you uh, and so a lot of it is really around um, leadership capability building but I specialize in diversity equity and inclusion so a lot of the work that I do is with um, uh, marginalized communities or underrepresented talent to help them uh, find ways to exercise more uh, more choice uh, more power, more control uh, over the um, professional direction that they're going in, but also how can that really impact their personal lives as well? Yeah, you know the the topics of diversity and inclusion is such an important one, especially especially in the last decades. Um, it's become even more prominent uh, with with companies, different sectors, and so forth. With you being a global leader, you know I, I I I look at you as a global leader because you've worked internationally, you've you've worked in different countries, mm -hmm. you interact with different clients as well, you know internationally. Having lived in New York, now in London, worked in different environments, different types of organizations, between between geographies, what are what what are your thoughts around diversity and inclusion in terms of? maturity awareness how, how what what's your view on it so um it's a it's an interesting question and sort of quite a, a broad one i think i mean the the 
diversity and inclusion has started to really surface a lot more in conversation. Um, I mean, it's, you know, these are not new concepts. They've been around for a long time and they weren't always called diversity and inclusion, right? Back in the 60s, in the US, it was called affirmative action. Now people are starting to really lead with inclusion, right, over, over diversity. But there's a reason those, those you know, those things go together. So um, there definitely are cultural nuances, you know, in, in the US, um, when you're talking about DNI, it's it's very heavily um, based on race and ethnicity. Sure. Um, you know, I think a lot in Europe and the UK, you know, they are talking about those types of things in company settings. Um, but really encouraging companies to kind of go beyond that. Like, what are the invisible dimensions of diversity that uh, really impacts the way that we get a sense of identity? And how can we get more information about that to have richer relationships and so on and so forth? So, you know, I think it's surfacing a lot more in conversations in great part because of what's happened in the last three years. You know, after George Floyd was murdered um, and there was a you know huge spotlight on uh, social injustice, uh, COVID, I think, put a spotlight on inequity uh, and so on and so forth. And I think it really... Um, spotlighted a lot of our uh, leaders right our hierarchical leaders in 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 our countries and so on and so forth who um were not really operating with a great deal of authenticity or um you know uh, a, a great moral compass so i think in many ways it, it can't it can no longer be avoided. You know, all of these concepts around diversity, inclusion, belonging, uh, acceptance, and so on and so forth, they are so prevalent everywhere uh, in all areas of society that you can't really ignore it. But what I've noticed has changed is, um, particularly for, for companies that are engaged in, in wanting to make change in this area, I think whereas before, um, a lot of companies as as often clients do wanted a, a kind of quick fix in terms of you know okay what is my competitor doing in terms of dni can i not just model myself on that strategy i think they're now sort of understanding beyond the intellectual understanding of that they're sort of coming at it from a more emotional perspective and i think a lot of organizations are are getting more invested in um thinking about diversity and inclusion in their organizations, but are saying, look, we've realized we just don't know what we're doing and we really, really need help. So as well as maybe putting money behind this, we really want to be committed to making the change and tracking the success of that change. So I think things have moved, uh, which is great to see. Um, and particularly kind of, I think in terms of that commitment that organizations particularly have in wanting to make change. Yeah. Did that answer your question? Absolutely, Shiv. I mean, my experience with some of the clients that I work with, I I see the same thing as well. So previously, and it still is the case with several several segments of uh, of clients, whether it's small, medium, large, or even sector wise, where it's a copy and paste of what maybe other firms are doing for the purposes of just tick boxing the exercises yeah. of DNI. Yeah. Then there are also other firms that are actually taking a little bit more meaning to it uh, and bring some investment to the whole mix of it. And that's because of different levels of um, awareness and direction 
you know, from the executive teams, from talent hiring to boards and so forth that are actually making it, a, you know, a key agenda item as well. So I'm seeing that as well as, 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 as a big shift. So I completely agree and align with uh, with your assessment yeah. of it. Yeah. <laughs> and it's only going to get better, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping. Yeah, I, I, I think so. I hope so. You know, I was asked, um, this probably was like within the last year, I think I was on another uh, sort of panel discussion and people were asking all of us, do you think it's going to get uh, worse or better? And I said, I think it's going to get worse before it gets better. Sure. Um, because often, you know, when you hit the real low points, there really is is nothing else to do except, you know, get better. But I'd be interested to, to know your thoughts around, um, you know, organizations, um, how they're sort of approaching the implementation of diversity and inclusion because one of the things that I really focus on and I bring into the conversations or the work that I do with organizations is coupling that with a change management strategy yeah. now a lot of companies don't like that terminology change management but you know I think one of the great reasons that any kind of um, transformation that you're trying to introduce into your organization fails is because there is uh, lack of of managing that change in the organization and when we talk about dni we're really talking about how do you make cultural cultural shifts right in an organization so that does affect your not just process related activities of people in the workforce yeah yeah absolutely. but it's changing behaviors it's changing minds it's changing hearts right and so I'm interested to know if you've seen that shift where companies are starting to make that connection that you can't really implement a DNI strategy if you're not all also coupling that with a change management strategy. I I completely see that. And actually it's even going further and you touched on a point as to that intersection between DNI and um or the wider DNI and a change management strategy, whatever they want to call it, you know, some 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 organizations call it an enable enablement yeah. strategy, for example. Yeah. There's one client; it's a medium-sized organization. They have they've they've retermed it. They don't like the word change. Yeah. They don't like the word transformation. But let's let's call it enablement. Um, but you know, bringing all of that and bringing a bit of structure to that and integrating it into a work that would be embedded into the business as usual environment is what they've taken a strategy on. But, at the, but, but on top of that, what is really working aside from just making it into a program or a strategy is the sponsorship and the accountability. So mm -hmm. there is the CEO in, in some instances. So the, it was interesting. There was a debate at one of the organizations. Well, this is all cultural related stuff. This is all behavior. It's all touchy feely. Uh, yes, of course, we need to you know provide some stats and so forth. HR will take care of it. Yeah. Well, yes, but it needs to be in partnership with the CEO. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and the board and that's okay if it's hr but hr needs to have a seat at the table as well yeah absolutely 100 i mean yeah you know it needs to have very clear sponsorship mm -hmm. and in an organization at those hierarchical levels at that leadership level um but you know for a lot of organizations depending on where they are on the maturity curve on uh, 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 dni 
it, it's you will know this you will have seen this as well right it's not uncommon for them to put that in the hands of one person or one department and that usually is always hr right is where yeah. it starts yeah. and maybe they will bring in a sort of uh, a, an actual dni person to run that show and so on and so forth yeah. but you know i think um uh, you'll probably be familiar with this as well right you know people we, we've both been working in dni for a long time and the old joke is that when you work in this space the goal is to do yourself out of a job right you know we want to get to a stage where yeah. um it is truly shared responsibility among all of the employees in the workforce to uphold those cultural tenets of the organization so that it's not just driven by one person or one department or organization and i think that's where you really need to have that clear sponsorship at yeah. a leadership level to understand that because once you elevate in an organization right or or you know your any kind of figure of authority you can't absent from being a role model you are one so the choice is yours whether you're a good one or not and i think a lot of people are really starting to understand what that means as well when you assume that mantle of of being a role model yeah so you know um you know you're a leader in your own right um are there any experiences or stories that you can share that comes to mind from the time when you're when you're a leader or currently with clients that have resulted in a highly positive outcome yeah i, I mean absolutely i mean i um you know, I spend a lot of time delivering programs for for under underrepresented talent and a lot for, you know, diversity by ethnicity. And there are, you know, quite specific challenges that, um, you know, ethnic minorities that, that we will face, you know, in in particularly in the workplace. I mean, what is true is that the majority of people will suffer from some kind of challenge on a daily basis in their workplace. In fact, there's a McKinsey study, I think it's from 2020, which says that 84% of people suffer a uh, form of microaggression on a daily basis. Mm. So when you're talking about 84%, you're, you're pretty much talking about everybody, right? Um, but what is also true is that if you belong to a marginalized community, you are going to experience those microaggressions with more consistency and frequency than um than than other people and the more marginalized communities you belong to the higher the frequency the you know higher the consistency and so on and so forth so i do uh, a lot of um programs where i work with ethnic minority groups again to help them understand where they can exercise more control more power and part of that is looking at um challenges that 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 they faced in the past which have impacted their ability to uh progress towards their goals and that's not always an easy an easy thing but i've never done one of those programs that where that has not been beneficial for um for the participant and it's really gratifying work because in in some cases some of these narratives we've been holding on to or some of these assumptions that have been made about us we can and i can attest to this myself sometimes we hold on to those for years right and and so doing this kind of work which helps people release those um and does help them you know unleash more of their potential is i find is it personally really gratifying but it's great to see even people who are sort of are sort of skeptical about engaging in that to 
help them develop professionally, right? Um, people are quite skeptical of that. Um, to see them at the end of these programs say, you know, I, I really wasn't sure about you or, or how this is going to go, but actually it's really made a, a big impact in my life everywhere, yeah. you know, I think is, is, is really gratifying. So at that kind of level, yeah. certainly I've seen, um, I've seen a lot of positivity and a lot of, a lot of positive change. Yeah. Uh, but the other thing I would say is that it's also, uh, it shows the commitment of these organizations that they are engaging in bringing in these types of programs uh, and so on and so forth. And I think particularly moving away from one-off workshops, like I'd be interested to know what you think about this, because I read something the other day that uh, sort of validated what I had been thinking, but articulated in a, in a better way than I was able to do for myself. Yeah. And probably better than I'm going to be able to do right now but was basically saying that actually um, one-off workshops around things like unconscious bias and diversity and inclusion actually don't really work. And in some cases can be detrimental to the progress of a DNI initiative or agenda in an organization, because what it might do is um, sort of validate for people in a one-hour workshop that they either know what they're doing or they sort of gone through this process and they can eradicate that and they'll just continue to do what they were doing before. Yeah. And I've always been a believer in that. I think, you know, this is a process, not an event. Yeah. And so you can't really fix any kinds of issues that you're having in your organization in, in a workshop that lasts one hour, right. Or, or two hours or something like that. Yeah. Definitely sort of uh, more consistent programs and recurring programs, I think um, for me are the way to go, but I'm interested to know if, if you've heard anything similar in terms of, of, of that. Yeah, no, I was, I was actually going to um, ask the same thing in a different way, but uh, I'll give you my view. You're absolutely right. I, I, I feel these visitor type of workshops or workshops that just invites visitors to come in for an hour or for half a day and then go back into your normal ways of doing isn't sustainable yeah it might it might work for a particular type of a topic like how do you solve a problem or how do you move uh you know one one particular part of a small strategy to from point a to point b and you might be able to do a workshop but when you're actually looking at cultural shifts and you know you know with with an expertise of behavioral you know mindset shifts and so forth that needs to be a bit of a movement i think within the organization yeah. <laughs> what, 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 what do you think i mean it's not yeah. just one one workshop it's actually it's it's a movement it, it yeah. takes time it's a journey right uh, absolutely and and you know when you think about it it's kind of crazy that you would even imagine that um that a, a workshop or one a one hour two hour workshop would help to create that behavior change right you know you don't um you don't hire a trainer um because you want to get really fit and and do a one-hour session and say well why am i not fitter yeah. you know is, is that is that the answer like why have i not got a six-pack and all this kind of thing so you know i call it being capability fit and yeah. you know when i i and i've seen it firsthand in my career where people have been um you know hold up for 
uh, microaggressive behavior or racist behavior or sexual harassment or things of these nature things of that nature and and it, i i have seen it will literally happen they will be given some training around you know how to not sexually harass people or how to not be racist and that kind of thing and actually what that does is it does nothing for the person that um, was the victim of that and what it does is send a signal to everyone else that actually um, if I do that as long as I do my job well then the only repercussion is I've got to do a training for like an hour and then I can just carry on doing what I'm doing so it doesn't really do anything to um, one help eradicate that behavior um, but it doesn't uh, I, I think it only serves to kind of reinforce uh, some toxic behavior that's already happening right yeah. so so then you start to get into let's say as an organization if you are supporting that and, and enabling that then are you really being authentic you know you yeah. say that you want to make change you say that you want to hold people accountable you say that you want people to feel safe and included yeah. but actually when people are called out on that behavior nothing happens to them what does that really mean and that's if people are called out on that behavior you know people don't often feel safe to to call out to call out that behavior in the first place yeah yeah so yeah no no completely agree so Shiv you know companies are going through change going through transformation they may not want to admit it but they are going through that and especially during the cycle of the year uh, you know they've got their targets and so forth Um, if companies are looking to bring in some expertise on dni or bring in that intersection of change management or transformation into into the whole mix and create a bit of a program around that you know at a very top level how do you how do you position yourself within some of these organizations do you bring some kind of framework or do you actually just have conversations with them to see where they're at and then build some form of a you know target model yeah so it's a it's a process right and um uh it has to start with some kind of diagnostic so so in terms of my approach right um if i'm contracted to do that i'm engaged in a relationship with an organization i'd want to see what kind of existing research they have um from kind of employee survey data or so on and so forth i would do a bunch of interviews to kind of really get underneath you know, how do people really feel? What what's the sort of pulse check of of um, uh, on on that organization? And then I think from there, you need to build a a really a sort of bespoke framework and um, plug in a model to that for that organization. And this is where you know we were saying before that we both had a lot of uh, clients might come to us and say, look, just tell me what my competitor's doing and I'll do it. It doesn't work that way, right? Because when you talk about culture, that's very particular to an organization. And there are lots of nuances to that that have to be accounted for. And so you can't underestimate the amount of uh, research that has to be done uh, before you even implement anything. Um, Because otherwise what will happen is you'll deliver something that um, doesn't really address the cultural nuances of an organization and therefore it won't stick right yeah. and that's the biggest issue yeah. that um any kind of implementation or transformation 
um, that organizations suffer from is how do you you know how do you make this sticky right how do you ensure that it's going to continue after someone like me or another organization has extracted because that's also the point right you know you don't necessarily want um to have a, a consultancy uh, a relationship with the consultancy for years and years and years on end right at yeah. some point you want to be armed as an organization with the skills with the tools with the techniques so that somebody can extract and you can become self-sustaining yeah. so so in terms of a you know in terms very high level right that's the sort of approach that yeah. i would take and yeah. of course different kinds of workshops and focus groups and so on and so forth would, would help inform all of that yeah i can completely relate to that i mean like that's uh, you know similar to some of the work that i do with uh, with with clients as well i mean like it's it's that diagnostic just to get that top level understanding of where they're at uh, and then having those honest conversations with the with the executives as to you know what's missing and what they can potentially do to improve right and and if you i want to get a view from you as well on this one whether you found progressive minded leaders where they actually accept your your findings and actually work with you to improve on that and and maybe tailor it or whether they actually say well he's just he or she is just another yeah <laughs> just yet another report you know <laughs> and yeah it's 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 a really interesting thing we could probably would could talk about this for hours i think um and, and you know the answer is it depends right and and this is where you really realize after you've done that work and you present that initial finding back yeah. you realize what the level of commitment is you know is somebody really committed to change um because organizations are like people right and um as much as individuals in order to uh improve ourselves and to choose more effective behavior and to manage our biases and so on and so forth we have to do a lot of introspection really get under the hood with no judgment but yeah. with honesty to say well what, what is going on here and what do i need to work on organizations need to do the same thing and that's uncomfortable for both individuals and organizations um so, you know, I, I think the, the interesting thing for me is, is having that initial conversation, as you say, with people at that leadership level. And that's when you really quickly will be able to tell actually how how into this are you really? Yeah. And it it's challenging for it's challenging for businesses. You know, all all businesses are in the business of um, relationships, mm -hmm. right? Without without creating maintaining cultivating relationships you have no business right but i think the challenge that we have is um businesses are also in the business of making money right but the the the, the currency of relationships is trust it's not financial and i think this is where we've seen lots of examples of companies that have presented themselves as being authentic and presented themselves as being for the customer in order to catch a more market share. Yeah. And it has come to light that actually they don't believe what they're selling. Yeah. And in some cases, those companies have completely collapsed, right? Or they've lost a ton of market share because people also are not stupid and they're very wise to the fact that I'm buying this from you, but you're not buying it and using it yourself. Why is that? I'd rather then go to, and this is particularly true of younger generations who, um, are much more interested in aligning with brands who share similar values to them or working for companies that share similar values to them. And they're quite willing to not go there 
if if they realize that's the case and very quickly so you know i think a lot of companies are also realizing and it sort of comes back to what we were saying before are now realizing that while they may have intellectually understood the need for dni they are emotionally behind that as well because the 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 data surrounding um companies that are uh diverse and inclusive consistently outperforming their competitors is not new that's yeah. been around for decades right yeah. so why are not more companies doing that and like i say i think it's a sort of confluence of everything that's been happening in the last three years and um, everything that you know how that has impacted um, all areas of of our society and the countries that we live in yeah. that has has contributed to that change if that makes sense yeah no absolutely amazing shiv um shiv you've you've had a lot of twists and turns personally professionally share with us one thing or a couple of things that's your secret formula to your success my secret formula to success that's a good question um <laughs> You know, I think it is, um, it, it's around presenting, actually, it's really understanding what my values are mm -hmm. and as much as possible being able to stand by those. And I've been in lots of situations where those values were not being served, lots of jobs, different parts of my career and so on and so forth. And that doesn't necessarily mean that they were really, really awful experiences, right? They served a purpose in some way. But, you know, generally, when we are feeling out of balance, right, and we're feeling um, suppressed, repressed, depressed, all of the kind of pressure words, it's usually because one or more of our values are being messed with. And we're either doing that to ourselves or someone else is doing that to us. Yeah. And so I think it took me a really long time and it took, George Floyd's murder and global pandemic and everything that kind of got really shaken up there for me to really look at whether I was actually living according to my values and, and to what degree. And that's what really caused me to make change. And that allowed me to, I think, show up more authentically, right? I mean, I think if you, if you operate from your point of truth, you're very rarely going to go wrong and you're, you're less likely to worry about repercussions right yeah. um, what other people think of you or you know yeah. what narratives are going to be spun about you and those sorts of things yeah. so um not sure if that entirely answered your question but i i think as much as possible i try to come at situations with with that 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 i feel is such an uber formula to success being authentic being aligned to your values not just on paper you know, we talk about values and and we sometimes jot down a few values, but really being true to yourself and really being aligned to your true north. Yeah. Uh, it, it is such an important, I like the way you position it. I mean, like in terms of conversations or in terms of challenge, that's when you really call out your values and really test it out, right? Yeah. And being authentic to yourself really makes a big difference. So when you've mastered a lot of that, to a large extent that's that's a big formula to success because you're able to navigate through change and through adversity and you know, whatever whatever throws throws your way right yeah i i think so and i think what it does is it it puts you in a position to 
um, receive more interactions and experiences with with um, you know people or situations or um, circumstances that are more aligned to how you feel, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think you're in that sort of position. And 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 brands are the same. Organizations are exactly the same. The really great brands who are presenting this notion of authenticity and really showing that with everything that they're doing, yeah. for me, are the ones that that I want to be aligned with, right? Virgin Atlantic is one of the best challenger brands for me out there, you know, because I love what they stand for. I love their messaging. They're very diligent about... Um, how they want to ensure that sense of inclusion and belonging, not, ju not just for their customer base, but for their customers who are their internal workforce. Yeah. You know, I feel like you can really sort of, you can really see that. So yeah, but in, I have to mull that over a little bit more. Yeah. yeah. No, wonderful, Shiv. Let's, let's keep talking about you. What, what, what does a day in the life of Shiv look like? these days morning, uh, to, morning to evening <laughs> so um that you know that's one of my favorite uh interview questions to ask people to describe yeah. that and I won't yeah. do that in excruciating detail but you know what I will say is the 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 work that I do now and the life that I live now yeah. I have been in some way shape or form working towards for a really long time and in some cases consciously and mindfully and in some cases not right um, but, you know, I, I'm very, I'm very blessed, you know, touch wood. I, I have great family. I have great friends. Um, I love the work that I do. And, you know, my, it really depends because I work for myself. Um, but, you know, 5.30 in the morning, I'm taking my dog out. Um, and then I will, you know, go to the gym. Physical activity is really important to me. And then usually it's a lot of workshop facilitation and a lot of coaching, and actually, I'd be interested to know if you've noticed this difference. A lot of I, I, I work across all industries and sectors. And as a coach, I coach everybody from young adults who are going to their first jobs to C-level executives. But I've noticed um, recently that more of my coaching clients are at that C-suite level. Yeah. So yeah. I've noticed that they are getting really engaged and, and understanding that actually coaching is really helpful and beneficial. And, you know, I think before it had this kind of like touchy feely sort of yeah. narrative around it. Yeah. Um, but that has definitely changed. So in terms of my day, it's sort of a mix of those types of things. But have you noticed that change yourself in terms I of? Yeah, I, I, I have. And, and, it, and it varies from different organizations, um, to different sizes of organizations, different sectors as well. But there's a general trend where leaders, I mean, like you, where you coach and mentor executives, um, especially you know, if I give an example of some of the startup organizations or maybe even mid-sized organizations who are looking to scale, they are actually eager to, to learn and to hear, you know, because there's lots that they want to grow themselves on and with, with within their teams. It's not just about the people aspect, it's about the business aspect, but how can, you know, the, the people aspect is such an important important part of it in order to actually build a business. Yeah. So they want to better themselves. And then with some of the established organizations, I'm actually seeing that is becoming more important because 
and you'd have noticed this, Shiv, with larger organization because of the complexity, the intricacies, and the levels of toxicity, you know, there's there's a higher need for executives to come out of all of this and kind of learn how to deal with problems in a different way. Uh, so I completely agree with you. Yeah. People are becoming much more open to being coached or to be mentored. There's obviously the odd ones where where they're uh, you know very very firm in their in their own views and yeah. um, but when they open up sometimes when they have that trust between yourself and and them. Uh, then they kind of, uh, uh, you know, op open up and, um, you know, release their guard. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, pretty much, you know, anybody that anyone admires um, or, or looks at um, in terms of being successful or whatever that definition is for that person, yeah. guaranteed, whoever they are thinking about has somebody in their life who acts as some kind of coach now they may not call them a coach yeah but they are in some way helping them think through things or facilitating them to uh, come up with strategies or goals and so on and so forth so it makes sense right and and you know there's a reason that sports teams and analogies are always used in the business setting and like all sports people and teams have coaches right yeah. sure. so um you know, it's it's good to see people kind of finally making that connection, I think. Yeah, yeah. Shiv, you're doing great work with leaders, with executives, with uh, with boards, with people. You're basically changing lives uh, for the better. Um, we're coming to a close now, Shiv. Are, are there any closing messages or a challenge to other leaders, whether they're executive leaders or board members or business organizations, industries that you want to share with here? You know, um, so there's two things there. I mean, my my challenge to uh, to people, right? We all have the ability to be leaders. We are all leaders, right? Leadership is a set of capabilities. But in an organization from a hierarchical perspective or kind of like a role title perspective, of course, we have leadership at you know upper levels in organizations. But to everybody, I would say, um, you know, don't be afraid of the introspection. And if you are going to do this work, there's no judgment to display here. Like, don't judge yourself for it. Um, approach it with awareness, with acknowledgement, and just see what is a what is a small change you can make, right, in the next week in terms of behavior change or um, developing curiosity or something of that nature. What's a 5% change you can make? Sometimes we get really overwhelmed with, the whole agenda and 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 it quickly becomes very unsustainable so small changes i think are key um and then you know i think it took me a long time to to learn this with all the experiences that that i've had but i would just say to people you like you know whatever you do you'll get there you yeah. are you are in other words just because you have not achieved what you want in the way that you want does not mean you're in the wrong place or you've made the wrong choices you know whatever you're doing you will you will get there words of wisdom and a challenge from shiv thank you very much for being with us today and sharing your journey your insights and uh an experience as well thank you very much shiv thank you so much wonderful okay folks thank you very much for listening in and stay tuned for our next episode on 
um, uh, on with a uh, chief sustainability officer who shares her journey on bringing strategic lens to ESG and how both regulated and non-regulated firms have the opportunity to, to adopt this. Stay tuned. Hey, I hope you enjoy the podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the channel. You're now seeing this part of the video also because you consume some of my content, insights and teachings. Maybe you've been to my LinkedIn page or website or seen other social media ads or listened to my podcast. I'm Stephen Paul, a business and transformational executive coach, strategic advisor, leader and board member. I've been in diverse roles, corporate executive, entrepreneur, and worked with businesses and firms of all sizes, built and launched businesses, created high impact boards and so forth in four continents. I get it. I've been there, done that. But what is different is I bring a unique perspective and a playbook. I've helped 100 plus business leaders just like you to scale and align their leadership top teams, the board and overall business for growth. Leaders like Ivana from medium-sized company in the EU who grew 150% and expanded globally in under five months. After she started to work with me over facilitated sessions in an initial three days, I helped fine-tune their strategy and align their leadership team and board to be a cohesive driving force to achieve their dreams and outcomes. I want to teach you the same thing and more on how to scale and align your leadership team and board so you can increase your business growth and value. Get clarity on what is the next right strategy for you. There are multiple ways we can work with you. Number one, click the link for a free non-obligatory 60-minute initial strategic session. Let's get a feel for your dreams, your vision, your challenges, and let me convert that into a route map for you where we can co-develop and co-pilot. Number two, enroll in an innovative and intuitive digital online course that I have curated, created to help you transform. It's called Unshakable Resilience. It is the ultimate program for individuals and business leaders like you who want to be equipped at a personal and professional level to respond to any form of challenges or in crisis situations and take on opportunities with grit, resilience, and build a mindset of success. In essence, you want to be unshakable, thrive in crisis, take on opportunities in the face of adversity, and build a success mindset. So click the link below to learn more on how I can personally help you individually and your firm to scale and align your leadership team and business and pivot in a transformational way. And for you to experience this, whatever the challenge you're facing, get in touch with me. Let's discuss and I will share my insight rapidly to enable your transformation. Click the links below.